And good morning. Welcome into In Focus News Radio KMAN. Today is Thursday, final Thursday of April, which means uh, we've got some of our regulars here today. We've got a little later on, Pawnee Mental Health will be joining us. Uh, Robin Cole will be out today. She's doing something else. So we'll have, uh, I believe it's Di Hendricks will be joining us a little bit later on. But we start as we uh, normally do here on uh, the fourth Thursday with Dr. Timothy Schaefer. He's the director of the Institute for Civic Discourse and Democracy and uh, professor, uh, associate professor, Associate right? professor, yeah, okay. yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, many you know, titles. I, I, I know. And the academic <laughs> ranks, sometimes those make sense to some people. So, yeah, I'm an associate, which means I'm in... I'm in the middle. If it was an ice cream sandwich on whichever one's there, it's between assistant and full. So, okay. Yeah. Well, very good. Well, good to have you on here once again as uh, we make it through here. Boy, school, you're just about over here. It's hard it, to believe. You know, it is. It's it's uh, it's kind of nutty. Um, there's this, there's a, always this funny moment in, um, in an academic year, uh, particularly for universities, because we really were, operate as semesters. And at the beginning, everything feels so far away. And so in the spring, and when we're standing there in January and saying, we got these projects we're going to work on later and all this sort of stuff, but you don't have to worry about it now. And everybody's like, that's great, very good. And we've got till spring break. <laughs> and then that, you know, we get we get close to that. Oh, hold on. Something, oh, fired. on. Something fired and it shouldn't have. Things are, get, things are getting excited talking about spring break here. Getting a little wild. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, these moments when that all feels really far and then, then that happens and then all of a sudden the downward slope of the academic year. So, yeah, we're, we're not totally to the end, but it really starts to begin to feel that way in a lot of respects. And, so, and right now I'm teaching um, undergraduate seniors, so a lot of them are going to be uh, walking at commencement here in a short while. And so they're starting to think about all of that and careers after and such. And so there's, yeah, there's always this, this moment where um, you have to uh, really engage uh, these last few weeks to make it feel like it's not just uh, – you know the the movie weeks at school as when you're a kid when you're trying to figure out why you're still there. But uh, but yeah, but uh, but yeah, it's coming it's coming to a close, which is which is both exciting and also always a little bit sad because I think that particularly for those students, they always feel like this is the en- this is the end of a phase of my life that I'm realizing is ending, and it's great to be over, and also it's. You know, it's been a formative moment for however long it's been, whether it's four years or maybe less if they transferred or, or maybe more if they follow that path that a lot of students do as well. Yeah, so quite an accomplishment. And uh, I, I like this time of year. It's one of my favorite times of year, really uh, kind of eye-opening here. And we get to the month of May, and there's a lot going on. You've got uh, a project you've been working on here with ICDD for – um, a number of months now, I think since February. Is that yeah, right? we, well, we actually started in January. Yeah, so mm-hmm. we um, we have just submitted our our project report uh, to the USD three eighty three school um, administration, uh, who has been um, working with us, uh, Eric Reed particularly, um, assistant superintendent, and um, yeah. So this has been ongoing since January. We've had a number of community conversations in person and online, different phases to where we are allowing people to really kind of show up and speak and articulate their interests and concerns, what they saw as both needs in the community and also some possible responses. We had really good representation, a uh, chance for for people to, to be into that building as well, which was really significant. You know, some of them, have, some people have really deep roots here, um, understandably, and others have not. And so for, for a number of them, it was about kind of going back and seeing like, oh, that's right, that's that's what this looks like, or 
it's been a really long time and it's been kind of refurbished in some way, reimagined, um, or, or they just have, have never been in there for, for a, a whole set of other reasons. Um, so yeah, so it was really great to, to be in those environments and to really think through some of this with, uh, with the community. And so the Institute really was stepping in as a facilitator here. And the, the big conversation was, how does part of this building, the Manhattan High School East Campus, so at 901 points, um, some know it as the ninth grade building, depending, I was just talking to someone a few days ago, um, and they're like, oh, wasn't that the junior high building? That I was actually in the airport in Dallas coming back, and I was talking about, they said, what, did, what is the Institute for Civic Discourse and Democracy? So I was kind of explaining it, and, I, and this was a very tangible example, right? And she's like, oh, the junior high building. I was like, well, at one time, that was the junior high building, right? And so for people depending on when either they were students here or maybe had children who were students, um, it meant different things for them. But, you know, there's a, an opportunity to, to think about a segment of that building, particularly around the cafeteria and adjoining spaces, as more of a community space. And I, and I will note, you know, we started these conversations, and even last year when uh, uh, previous um, uh, board member Jardine Coleman had kind of communicated with uh, some of us at the Institute, um, but I realized, and I was reminded by Deb Nuss, um, who's been really engaged here in the community and uh, part of the, this work, particularly getting the grant from Blue Cross Blue Shield of, of Kansas Pathways, uh, they have a, a healthy Kansas grant award that immediately made this possible, was she was reminding me that in um, you know late 2018, there were 20-some social service organizations that before even the bond issues and things were passing that fall, they were like, what are we gonna possibly do with this building? And so the school was really receptive to having those conversations then and, and kind of imagining some of this stuff, but it never had moved beyond, huh, we should, or at least how I understand it, uh, I wasn't privy to those discussions at that time, but you know, yeah, let's, let's think about it. And so this was a chance for us as a community to think about it. Um, so, so yeah, so the, um, the report's going to be, um, I believe, uh, barring anything that holds it back here a little bit, just final editing and things like that, it'll be uh, kind of presented and up for some discussion at the next uh, board meeting. And it'll be a chance for people to kind of understand a little bit what was going on, some explanations about some of the, the results, some of the findings. It was you know, really a collection of people's voices and perspectives. But we did have some process that allowed people to think about different kind of themes together that were named by people in those first conversations. So it was a nice kind of part one, part two, phase one, phase two, if you want to think about that. Um, and But the end result really did articulate and name uh, some, some interests. Uh, Common Table, a number of people around here know, um, has been really interested in thinking about this as a potential site uh, for, for common meals instead of kind of rotating, but or could be complementary to those kind of rotations around the community, but even also being a, as a place to, to purchase and buy, store food in a, in a different kind of quantity uh, that is uh, kind of stretching the dollars and things that are given generously by people across this community uh, to address a very serious need of hunger. Um, so, so all that's to say, um, a lot of really important uh, people helped facilitate and make all that possible, um, and 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 the people who came out and participated, um, we're just really grateful for it, and to and for for ICDD to have a role in this situation, and you know for people thinking about some of the the challenges going forward, ICDD functions as as this kind of neutral facilitator to this, and and we had to be that very very clear to 
some of these partners who were who said they, we, were, we really like to see it in a certain way. It's like, well, that that, that could end up being in the mix, but we're not going to kind of put a finger on the scale, so to speak. And uh, and I think uh, because of that, it actually is a stronger argument for some of these things that did emerge to the top um, that people named as both interests and needs, and I think things that are also possible. So it wasn't absolute pie in the sky, but was grounded in a really functional reality. What did people say was like some of the key advantages of, of that space there? Well, and this this is where it became really interesting um, a, a little while back is figuring out how do you do this within a school building mm -hmm. that has to retain certain kind of identities serving its primary purpose uh, or else it loses its tax exempt status. So we had some conversations uh, with, uh, with folks in local government here to figure some of that out. Um, uh, but it's it's also you know that building um, and I, I don't want to speak for the school and they don't really have absolute plans of exactly what's going to happen or and who knows population growth and other things so they don't want to abandon the potential of a, a big part of a building that could be utilized in some fashion but they do know that this section of the cafeteria a couple adjoining um, kitchen spaces and, and a couple art classrooms that are kind of down a little hallway but very close could be potentially used here in a sort of collective way, somewhat closed off from a lot of the, the rest of the building in a way that could be responsive to some serious community needs. It's centrally located. People know where it is. Um, you know, it, it's, it's got good space. It's, it's, it's nice inside. Um, so so there, there are a bunch of factors that, that make it appealing. I think also recognizing, and we did talk about this, I was, very, I was very explicit about it, that when we think about education and we think about its role in democracy and the, the, the sense of the relationship of these things, here's a, here's a way to think about that building continuing to play a central and vital role in this community. And um, it looks a little bit different, but we could think about it in, as op opportunities for people to learn how to cook too, right? So those were some of the discussions. It wasn't just like, come here and get a plate of food, but it was like, how, how do I, how do I do this better, right? We know that's a major factor with, around hunger issues is if people don't know how to prepare a bag of beans that you can get for pretty cheap off of a shelf, it doesn't make a whole lot of difference that you could save yourself a lot of money doing that in contrast to getting something prepared somewhere or, or being reliant upon others. And so thinking about those kind of collaborations internally, but also externally. So that's, that's part of what uh, some, of, uh, some of what came from this process was to say, how do we not just think about this as a service provision? Here's, here's a thing for you, but also an opportunity um, for some of these other, um, again, within the school, um, home economics and some of these skills. These are, these are really important, vital moments to know how to, to take care of yourself. And as we look at the, the cost of food, things going up, and the like, how do you stretch those things, especially when you only have so much to stretch? Yeah. Well, it's certainly going to be interesting. You know, I, there was another conversation that kind of happened, uh, I think it was about a month ago in Westmoreland. They're trying to figure out what to do with that old courthouse there and kind of similar to what's going on here in Manhattan. And you know, somebody brought up the idea of co-working spaces, and I'd never really thought about that. Uh, you know, those are become kind of a, a more popular thing in the last few years, but... Yeah, and and there were people who raised those kinds of questions. The kind of um, you know, can some of this be rented out to like uh, kind of incubation for startups and and whatever else, like little businesses and things. The cha the challenge is particularly here is the way the city owns the land under part of that building, and so 
the school district needs to maintain its educational status. The other piece is, um, and I don't put words into uh, to Aaron Creed's mouth, but he said something along the lines of like, I don't want to be a landlord. Uh, not just sure. like, that doesn't sound very fun, but like functionally and legally, we can't do some of those things, the school that is. And so, um, so what, what do you do there, right? So there, there's all sorts of dynamics here that it's not, you know, it's not skirting around any, I think, the legality of, of what's going on, but I think it's being very intentional about the kind of the extent to where this broadens a little bit the idea of what it means to be an educational institution in a community. All right, we've got a uh, caller hanging on the phone line here. Let's see, uh, Paul has a comment. Go ahead, Paul. Uh, good morning. Uh, we have double sunshine that came in today with Dr. Shaver there. Dr. Shaver, have you uh, done any thinking at all in the last few weeks uh, about where you should actually be, and especially with our situation in Topeka? It's going to change somehow, some way. I think you could be the answer. And uh, I know your wife may not want to live in the governor's mansion, but it's a pretty nice place. I used to be the cat up there years ago, 40 years well, I I, uh, I I appreciate your continued support. I, uh, I I really do, and I think I think maybe a little bit later here, after on the other end of the break, uh, there will be a chance to maybe clarify some of that. Uh, so I won't I won't spill the beans yet, but uh, but I will I will say, uh, Paul, I, I have always appreciated when I've heard your voice here on the radio, and uh, I think I don't I don't know your politics and how you see the world, and, and I don't know if you exactly know how I see the see the world and view politics and things but i appreciate that we have the ability to talk to each other here about once a month or every once in a while and uh well, and i think that's really important so thanks i was going to run are you still there yeah uh, i was going to run for office once and someone said the other, are you going to run for anything yet? i said yeah i'm running for the border i'm not sure i think i'm going north because if i go south i might get trapped behind the wall well, you know, I, uh, I, I always, I always encourage people to also, you know, if they, if they have a commitment to a place, you should figure out how to stick it out and, and make it work. But, uh, but yeah, every once in a while you do have to find yourself in another place. But, uh, but thanks for, uh, I truly, I do appreciate, uh, I do appreciate when you give calls in. All right. Uh, I, I would, I certainly would appreciate if you would really consider it. And thank you very kindly for everything you've done for this community and Kansas State University. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Truly very much. All right, stay tuned. We'll have um, In Focus continuing here after the break on News Radio KMAN. We're back on In Focus, News Radio KMAN, segment number two here with Dr. Schaefer on uh, KMAN. Uh, we've got some uh, life news happening here for Dr. Schaefer, which we didn't want to, as I mentioned, we didn't want to spill the beans in the last segment here, but uh, the reason <laughs> you, you won't be in Topeka here is because you're actually going to be on the move here pretty soon. Yeah, yeah, so... Um so I have uh, I've accepted an offer to, to make a move away from Kansas State. Uh, so we've been here for almost eight years, and um, I, <laughs> we just bought a house about a, a little bit more than a year ago because I really didn't think we were, we were going anywhere else, and it felt like a good idea at the time. Um, but, but yeah, there was a, a, an opportunity for me to continue to do uh, some of this work at um, – uh, honestly, kind of like a little bit of a higher level in some respects, um, and and just um, I think as we've talked every once in a while, I think when you've around holidays particularly, it's a kind of back a direction a little bit more towards family, 
uh, for us. Uh, and so, yeah, so we'll be leaving, I'll be leaving K-State, and we'll be leaving Manhattan um, after this semester, uh, over the summer. And so I'll be joining the University of Delaware, um, which is a, is a state. Uh, <laughs> some people, I, there, there are some folks who are like, wait, where, you know, I'm trying to imagine exactly where it is. Uh, so uh, over there on the east uh, east coast, um, near Maryland and, and uh, in the kind of D.C. area. But, uh, but yeah, so the position for, for me particularly is a unique opportunity. Uh, it's within um, at the University of Delaware. They have the Biden School of Public Policy and Administration. And uh, they've launched a new initiative uh, called the Ithaca Initiative, the SNF Ithaca Initiative. Um, and it's all around civil discourse and public policy and how do we think about this work showing up within local government, national, you know, kind of nonprofit spaces. So for, for me, it's a real continuation of some of the work that I'm doing now, but a, a more focused kind of um, approach to it that I've been going personally through my own research, which I haven't talked about a whole lot on the, on the radio uh, much ever. But um, but yeah, so it's a it's a great opportunity, and it's a named uh, uh, it's a named chair, which in academic world there aren't many of those sorts of things. So there are some good resources along with it, and just um, opportunities, and I think a capacity to I think to push some of this work forward. So in fact, this past weekend I was in Delaware, helping um, uh, to lead a, a called the National Student Dialogue. Um, so we had almost 20 campuses of teams of about four students and, and faculty mem uh, mentors who were there to think through what we were talking about is like civility challenges on their campuses. So some were talking about free speech and hate speech. Others were talking about dynamics between students and administration. Others were talking about dynamics between the institutions and their communities. And so they were really working through like what are the causes behind this? What do we do? You know, all this sort of stuff for a, for a whole weekend. So. Um, so yeah, it's exciting. Um, it's bittersweet in a lot of ways. K-State has been a wonderful institution um, uh, to be at for me. It's a, uh, a home base in a lot of respects uh, for the work that I do, this intersection of civil discourse and particularly kind of through the land-grant institution and extension, thinking about the community-based work. Um, and so Delaware is also a land-grant. So there will be some opportunities to align uh, some of those conversations there. But, um, but yeah, it's... Uh, you know, the position is exciting. Uh, the beach will be about an hour and a half away, which is also pretty exciting, to be honest. And, uh, you know, grandparents and, and others will be within a drive that does not take 25 hours over a couple of days stopping <laughs> in Terre Haute, um, which is a, um, a pretty appealing thing as our kids just get a little bit bigger. And, you know, right after, literally right after we moved here, my dad unexpectedly passed away. The morning they were come, they were supposed to come visit with, like, a carload of stuff and see this house that we had just bought. He, he died that night unexpectedly. And mm. it's always been that moment of just realizing, yeah, we're, you know, life continues to march on whether you're with each other, beside each other, or at, you're at a distance. And there's this feeling of, of, I, I, I don't want to lose more time, um, with, with my family. And, uh, my mother and, and my siblings and others and and for our kids too not just to have though you know once maybe twice a year in the last couple of years i think for a lot of people have intensified that feeling too of mm -hmm. either isolation and we we really kind of stayed back for that reason and uh um yeah so so for all those reasons uh when this opportunity um kind of emerged it felt like a thing to take very seriously and we did and it's just kind of come that way so 
you know, I, I wish, um, you know, the Institute is going to be in really good hands. Uh, Colleen Lind, uh, a, a colleague of mine in the Department of Communication Studies, is going to be stepping into the role that I have now. Donna Shank-Hamlin, who about 89% of this community knows by name, and she shows up just about everything, um, is still going to be really involved, and I'm really appreciative of all that she's done, particularly as it relates to the work that we just did with uh, USD 383, but forever, and, and lots of other people too. So ICDDD is just a... It's a, it's a mix of a lot of people who help make it possible. And so we have some moves around campus and people moving into new positions. Um, you know, colleagues in Extension, for example, are sliding over to UFM, uh, Alaya Mestrovich say, and, and for example, just that was just, just announced, uh, I think a day or two ago. And, uh, and yeah, so there, you know, there's a, there's a real vibrancy in a lot of ways, but we also have some real challenges, right? I mean, at the institution, we, we just continue to face challenges of enrollment and resources and such and, and thinking about kind of demographics. And so I think the work that we do um, continues to be really vital, vitally important in figuring out how to, to use these practices and these processes to be helpful for the conversations that need to happen uh, that can lead to some of the results that we, we need to see, whatever those might be, I think is uh, it's ever-present. And But I, I feel really confident in all those uh, who have been here. Um, and Colleen Lind, Dr. Lind, has been involved with ICDD for a long time, even before I came to K-State. So um, she knows this uh, super well, and I, I really do wish her well uh, as she'll step into this. And, and I'm, and I'm uh, just excited for her and, uh, and for everybody else who will kind of continue, I think, this important and really good work. Well, I hope that uh, with you going to Delaware, I hope with you being closer to D.C. that you'll have maybe some ears of some politicians and maybe change the dynamic in D.C. a little bit. Well, you know, interestingly, last Friday I was actually in D.C. talking about some of this with uh, state legislators who were convening there for kind of an annual conference. But there is an opportunity. I do have an affiliation appointment with the National Institute for Civil Discourse, which has an office in D.C. about two blocks from the Capitol, and I was literally right there. Uh, on Friday, um, not quite a, a week ago, and and uh, yeah, I mean that's part of it too. There's a proximity to I think the opportunity to do some of these sorts of things. Uh, so, so if you're interested, you know those who are listening to this, if you're interested in some of this stuff, uh, yeah, kind of poke around and be curious. Um, we'll see what comes. All right, Delaware. By the way, the blue hens. The, yes, yes, the blue, the fighting blue hens. It was. Uh, <laughs> Um, I, lo- I love mascots that you're like, you have to give a second to think about it. But yeah, they're named for, uh, um, there was a, it was during the Revolutionary War, uh, some of the soldiers there, um, their kind of mascot was this fighting blue hen, it's this chicken. Um, uh, but it's not like, it's not like real, real. I don't, I don't know. There, you should, you, if, if, if it, your, if your interest is at it, it all peaked by what we've just said, you should check it out. But, uh, but yeah. It, and it's uh, uh yeah it's this it's it, I don't know it's a I don't know how to describe it it's a fighting chicken he looks like a like a mean fighting chicken I don't yeah so, yeah uh, yeah what's funny uh, go cats <laughs> you're the second person I've known to to be associated with University of Delaware I had a guy years ago when I worked in a different station in Nebraska who succeeded me as a sports director there and he came from the University of Delaware he's a yeah. football player oh, yeah, yeah. funny enough his name was Tim. So yeah. well, there, well, there, you know, yeah. it's a uh, yeah, it's and it's a little place, right? So it's uh, it's also that sense of scale of um, 
of, of place. It, it, there are three counties, for example. Mm-hmm. So um, there's a top and a middle and, and a bottom. So, uh, yeah, it'll be all sorts of interesting, but we're excited and grateful for the opportunity and for the work. The Stavros Niarchos Foundation is really the ones behind making this possible. Um, they really put a lot of money in the number, last number of years into civil discourse at other institutions, Johns Hopkins and at, at the University of Pennsylvania, too, in a really significant way. And uh, I, th- I mean, we've talked about it. I think all of this is really vitally important, especially in this moment as we're, you know, as not just coming up to the next election cycle, but this, like, who are we as a people, as countries and things like this? And this is what we've got to kind of wrestle with. So um, I'm going to be in the mix of that conversation. So, um so yeah, just, just maybe the last piece to say this here is just I'm just really grateful to, to K-State and you know to the institution and to the community and I've really gotten to know a lot of really good people and um, I'm really grateful for that and uh, and I hope in some way that I, I, I did some good here too and I, I know it will continue well beyond. All right. Well, good luck to you and uh, I know we'll talk again next month here one more time, but uh, yeah. appreciate uh, you coming on here this morning. Sounds great. Thanks so much. All right. That's going to wrap up our segments here with Dr. Schaefer. Stay tuned. We're going to hear from Pawnee Mental Health Services up next on K-Man. We are back here on In Focus here on News Radio KMAN. And our next segment, uh, our next two segments, will feature Pawnee Mental Health Services. And uh, we got a pinch hitter in today for uh, Robin Cole. And uh, her name is Di Henricks Tabiran. Good morning. Good morning. Di, you are the uh, Marketing and Development Coordinator? Yes, I'm marketing Devel- and development director. Director, okay. Everybody has it a little different. Yeah. How they how they uh, label <laughs> that here from the zoo to Pony Mental Health to God knows what other organization here. Uh, but it's good to have you in here. Um, I don't know much about you. Let me get to know you a little bit here. This is our first meeting. Okay. Well, um, I am originally from Hartford, Kansas, but I have been in Manhattan long enough that I'm semi-native. Um, been here more than 30 years, and I've worked for Pawnee Mental Health for uh, four years. Actually, Tuesday was my fourth year anniversary, and, uh, you know, started, and Robert brought me in as as development manager to, you know, to really just help us raise raise money. You know, at that time, we were experiencing uh, more money going out than was coming in, and we knew we needed to and we couldn't control what the state was providing, so this is something that we could control. All right. Well, it's nice when somebody says a small town in Kansas that I've heard of. Uh, oh, I'm impressed you've heard of it. <laughs> Hartford's in Coffee County, right? Uh, Lyon County. Uh, is it in Lyon? Okay, I guess it, it's near Coffee. It's right near the border. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I, I used to live in Emporia, so I, oh, okay. I've been to Hartford and Neosha Rapids, all those places out there. So yeah, a little familiar. Good to know. <laughs> but, of course, I get the county wrong there, but uh, nonetheless. Um, well, it's good to talk to you here. We're going to be talking about some different things going on at Pawnee Mental Health uh, coming up in the month of May, which I heard the proclamation the other day. It is uh, going to be Mental Health Awareness Month, uh, a good topic here uh, to always bring up. And it shouldn't just be in the month of May. It should really be all year round. Yes. Yes, it, it really should. You know, mental health, and, and I think with COVID, it has really become uh, more apparent about, you know, and, and more prevalent, you know, with the, the mental health challenges that people are facing. And so, you know, and as at Pawnee, we try to, you know, destigmatize the idea of, of mental health and, and, you know, hope that everybody can recognize that, you know, we all can benefit from, from seeking help and, and making it better. You know, and it's 
Yeah, I, I have a daughter that goes to Pawnee Mental Health. I'm I'm pretty open about stuff like that. But, you know, I don't get into what sh- what reasons and whatever. But you know, we were we thought it was a good opportunity to bring her in because sometimes parents don't have the answers to uh, all the mental health questions, but therapy certainly helps. Yes, yes, I agree. It and and even for adults, you know. For a lot of people, it's, you know, having going into therapy gives them an opportunity to talk about what's going on with somebody who doesn't have a dog in the fight, who, you know, can give them perspective and just, you know, bounce ideas off of them and and really help, you know, evaluate is am I handling this the best way that I can? Uh, you know, it, it makes us better employees. It makes us better parents. It makes us better, you know, better um, partners and husbands, wives, spouses. You know, and that's such a key thing, uh, having somebody that's not got a dog in the fight. I think people uh, need to hear more of that because uh, I think a lot of us think it's intimidating to go talk to somebody about your your problems, and you can be as open as you need to be. Yes, yes. And, and often, too, they can identify things that can be rectified with just a little bit of medication. And, and that's something that I think a lot of people don't realize is the value that – you know, it, and you know, we always see these extreme cases, and, and that's not it. But some of us just need something to calm down a little bit and, and regulate what's going on. And, and you know, none of, nobody picked to have, have a challenge. But, you know, if you can fix it, why wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. Live your life to the, to the fullest here. And, again, reducing stigma, that's so important. And it uh, looks like mental health awareness has been – Something that uh, has been celebrated here by the Mental Health America organization since 1949. They they obviously recognize the the need here continues. Yes, I, I agree. And and I, as I was doing some research for this, I found that interesting. And I think it really highlights how we're still working on this today. You know, so 60, 70 years, 80 years later, we are still trying to to you know destigmatize mental illness and. And, you know, make people aware of it. So it's it's really a battle that, you know, we continue to fight. And, you know, obviously we've been working on it for a long time. So we'll, you'll be hearing a lot more about this uh, as we get into May. I know that Riley County had the proclamation on Monday. It looks like the city will proclaim it next week at their uh, meeting as well on Tuesday. Uh, but there will be other opportunities that Pawnee Mental Health is going to be involved with. Yeah, so we're going to have yard signs. We're going to um, devote most of our radio ads towards that. Uh, we are putting posters out within our in our region, and uh, you'll see T-shirts. We offered it first to our staff, but um, you know, if anybody is interested in either having a poster or getting a t- buying a T-shirt, they can contact me at marketing um, at pawnee.org. Or call me at 785-564-1059. We'd be happy to drop posters by. We would love to have, you know, every business have a poster. Absolutely. Well, that would be a great opportunity here. And uh, obviously so much has uh, been talked about here as far as Mental Health Awareness Month. We, uh, we've, I've been hearing the ads also for, you know, those underserved communities. Uh they have issues that uh, maybe aren't always addressed here, and and yeah, I think it's the BIPOC community. Yes. Uh, can you talk a little bit more to that? Yeah, I can. Um, you know, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, cultural background impacts how you 
um, how you respond to different kinds of, of therapy and different kinds of treatments and, and things like that. And, and often it's overlooked. Um, you know, historically, if you look at, at any group, you know, whether it's the LGBT, you know, QA plus group or, or African-Americans, um, when you look at those groups, a research that has been done medically, um, whether it's, it's psychology or, or even medicine, is frequently done on white men. And, and so, you know, they don't, you know, so a lot of the, the treatments that are available and are put together are meant to treat white men. And, and so what happens is, you know, it's not as effective for somebody when you, when you don't consider the cultural differences that they have. Uh, so with the BIPOC community, it's important for people to recognize that, you know, that everything is experienced differently. And that's one thing at Pawnee, we really work hard to try and um, provide training for all of our staff because, you know, as a community mental health center, we don't have the opportunity to say, no, we're not going to treat you. Um, we, we have to be ready to, you know, you talk about me pinch hitting today, we got to be ready to take on any case and any person. And, and so we really try to be, be unique and, and be ready and prepared. Yeah, very, very well said. And, uh, you know that that's that's interesting. We're still kind of fighting our own history here with uh, you know you mentioning the testing on on white men and uh, obviously and that's not going to be a solution for everybody. So it's nice to hear that th- things are changing a little bit here and maybe in ten twenty years we'll have a different conversation here. Yes, I, I would sure hope so. Yeah. All right. Well, let's take uh we'll take our first time out here uh, on well I guess our next time out here on the program. Continuing on with Di in a moment here from Pawnee Mental Health. You're listening to In Focus on K-Man. We are back here on In Focus News Radio KMAN, talking today here with uh, Di Henrix Taburin, uh, Marketing and Development Director at Pawnee Mental Health Services. Uh, we've got a camp coming up here. It's called the Summer Stars Camp. I'm not sure what Stars stands for, but maybe Di, you can uh, tell us a little bit more about this. Yeah, Stars stands for Strength Teamwork attitude, relationships, and self-esteem. And these are all qualities that we emphasize in our camp and we emphasize in our youth rehabilitation programs that, that um, make it necessary for children to be able to become, you know, contributing adults in the community. All right. So this is the, the 20th year for this camp. Uh, has it kind of been a popular thing for you in the, in the past? You know, we consider this one of our crown jewels. Um, this camp is an amazing opportunity for children who have serious emotional disturbances. Um, you know, most of these kids who, who go to this camp, they may be able to or may try to go to other camps, but usually they're that kid who's singled out um, because of the symptoms they're experiencing or maybe their inability to, um, to control those symptoms. And, and so they become that kid. And you know, they frequently, if they do go to camp, they're sent home, and it's just not a good experience for them. And, and so STARS Camp gives these kids a chance to be a kid, to experience that, that summer camp and experience things that a lot of them have never, you know, done before in their life. They've, many of them have never, you know, ridden in a canoe and, or driven a canoe, I guess. I don't know if you call it driving, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, they, they've never done that. They've never ridden a horse. They've you know, maybe not done archery, you know, and, and so they get to experience all the things that a summer camp has to provide. 
but they do it in an environment where they're not the only one that maybe is experiencing challenges, that they're just part of the group. And so for once in their life, they're not the ones who are singled out. And this gives them such an opportunity to be a leader, to, um, you know, be, you know, be ahead of their, you know, be a leader among their peers and to make sure that it's successful. It, you know, they're surrounded by the people at Pawnee who've worked with them day in, day out, every week, their case managers, their respite providers. So people who know them who can say, gosh, Diane, what's your, you know, what's, let's deescalate this. How do we do that? What's the skills that we've talked about? And, and they're having that conversation. Whereas, you know, a lot of times, you know, the people who are, are running other camps or, you know, whether it's a parent or, you know, who goes with a group of kids or whatever that is, they just aren't prepared to handle that. Hmm. that sounds like a wonderful opportunity. It looks like uh, there'll be two camps uh, this summer. Yes. Last year, we, start, we started taking kind of a small group to Mission Creek, and, and that's in Topeka, and uh, it... Uh, you know, it was a nice experience because they got to, as a small group, you can do different things that, you know, whether you, if you have 160 kids at camp, maybe you, you, you can't always do that. And it's just a lot of different experiences. And, and so we started that. And then the bigger camp is at Rock Springs and in Junction City. And it's, you know, a wonderful experience for them as well. You know, that camp is so well run. It has many, many years of, of uh history and and so it's a you know just a, a real great opportunity for them okay so if if parents hear this and they they want to know how to get their kids signed up how, how do they do that okay well this isn't something that just anybody can sign up for um right. pretty much this is these are children who are receiving services through our yrs program and who have you know been diagnosed with having serious emotional disturbances okay and uh, wonderful opportunity. So how many kids will you take to these? Uh, probably to, uh, um, to Mission Creek. Uh, I believe that it's like 2530. And, and to Rock Springs, it, the number is more like 150, 160 kids. Okay. So that's, that's going to be a, a good number there, a good number of kids. Oh, yeah. Wonderful. Oh, yeah. Uh, we have uh, a caller with a question here on the line. Robert is uh, standing by. Let's go to the phone lines. Good morning, Robert. What a wonderful presentation. This half hour has been most desirable. Uh, the camp is wonderful. It gives the family a respite from dealing with those kind of situations on a live basis day to day. I know my son's mother, I spent 15 years looking after her, and when the end of the relationship arose, the family psychologist of course, put me through all the tests looking for who would be stable to raise my son. And they said they just, uh, I thought it was a passing comment. We can't believe that you have any thread of stability after putting up with that for 15 years. Well, I worry about your social workers as well as the other um, family members. Excuse the term putting up with and trying to help and uh, guide and uh, alleviate the stress and things. Uh, thank you so much for having this half hour. It's, the parents need to know, the family needs to know it's not your fault, and you need to find a respite for yourself. Thank you. All right. 
Thank you, Robert. Um, and, and, you know, actually, you stole some of my script that was coming up. So <laughs> um, be, because, yes, that you have you said it exactly right that, you know, when you when you have a child who who has serious emotional disturbances, it's it's oftentimes not a picnic. And and a lot of times the symptoms that the child experiences keeps the family from doing things that a lot of us just take for granted. Um, going to an amusement park or going ziplining can really cause anxiety and, and can cause challenges for a child with, with, who have serious emotional disturbances, depending on, on what symptoms they experience. And so them getting to go to STARS camps, uh, camp allows the family and the rest of the members to go do something that um, maybe they couldn't do with that with the other child but this way they're not just left out you know it's not just oh I get to go to a friend's house you know and you're gonna go do something fun it's I get to go do something fun and oh you're gonna go do something different too well and I think the the cherry on the the cake here is that it costs nothing for the children to attend how wonderful is that yeah it is um, it you know we are pr so proud of that and that has been that way since day one we recognize that uh, many of our children uh, are on lower are lower socioeconomic status not all of them uh, but but most of them are and and they wouldn't be able to afford it if we did um, have to charge them and so we have committed that this is what we're going to do and so we have fortunately received some you know we so my job is to go out and raise as much money as I can um, but you know at the end of the day we'll take it out of our budget and there's just something else we won't do because we believe in this so much. Um, you know, locally, we've had a lot of, of regular great supporters. Uh, the Optimus Breakfast Club, so shout out to them. They've been providing money for T-shirts for, uh, for a number of years. I, I, I'm wanting to say it's, it's, you know, maybe like the last 10 years. Uh, Grants for Greater Manhattan just awarded us $10,000 for the camp. Uh, the Butler Family, Family um, Foundation. They've been regular supporters here recently, um, and and a number and BHS Construction too. And you know, I, I know I, I it would take the rest of the hour to <laughs> to list everybody, but it sure gives us an opportunity um, that that you know people in Manhattan have been generous, and and we just appreciate that. Well, we know they certainly have been generous. Six days ago, you had Grow Green Match Day. I, I should bring that up here. Oh, Be yeah. Because Pawnee Mental Health raised uh, $24,413 in uh, that. And that's uh, what, a, what a wonderful amount of money here to get from the community. Oh, yeah. We were so excited about that. And, and the community is just particularly through that program, but, but uh, otherwise, too, has been so, so supportive of us that, that it's, it's amazing. I mean, it really is. Uh, that money that we raised is going to allow us, you know, we we went through some lean times and, and, you know, like anybody else, when, you know, lean times are happening, you don't buy new furniture, you know, you, yeah. you make, you use, you use what you have. And, and once we've done that, and, and this money is going to allow us to buy furniture that accommodates everybody, you know, so if, if somebody is, is heavier that, you know, it's furniture that they can feel comfortable sitting in and not feel like, oh my gosh, am I going to break the chair? Um, you know, and, and just, you know, what's appropriate. Make people feel welcome, feel like they want to be there. Awesome. Well, glad to see that uh, you know, so much money has been raised. And I know there's other ways uh, people can support you as well. And uh, there may be another uh, plethora of donations that people can give if they want. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and some of these, 
that that I'm going to talk about now. I mean, cash cash works great for everything, mm-hmm. um, and and so you know, so that is something that you know, whether you're wanting to support Sarge Camp or another program that we have going on, you know, cash is great. Specifically for Stars Camp, we have a lot of gift and kind opportunities that we um, that we would love to to fill. Um, we're looking for string bags and water bottles for the kids. Um, you know, again, if you think about me as an adult, I can't, you know, carry my water bottle and have all my other stuff and not have a bag to put it in. And when you think about children with ADHD and stuff like that trying to drag the stuff around, they need something to put it in. Um, you know, and then things to put in there, like, you know, just small handy white packs to put in the bags, pens, paper, maybe fidget spinners. You know, when they take a break, they need something to do. And at this camp, nobody has a phone, mm. you know, which for some of them is like the first time ever. <laughs> uh, so, so snack items, uh, fresh fruit, you know, we love to make it available like bananas, apples, oranges that they can just walk by and grab and have some healthy fruit available, um, you know, we're looking for a group who'd be willing to bring an ice, a homemade ice cream down to Mission Creek Camp. Uh, art supplies, bug spray, sunscreen, you know, any of that kind of stuff we can sure use for camp and even for our summer programs. Okay, wonderful. Well, uh, hopefully if you heard this today and you you have the means and you can help out, certainly uh, get a hold of Pawnee Mental Health. Uh, let's let people know where you're located. I know where you're located, but maybe someone who doesn't uh, know. Okay. Um, our therapy office is located at 2001 Claflin. Um, my, our administrative offices are in are at 423 Houston Street. So we're in the Houston Street, old Houston Street ballroom building. And then we have the, uh, we have our, on Hayes Drive, we have our youth rehabilitation services, adult rehabilitation services, and our crisis stabilization unit. Okay, good to know. And uh, wonderful opportunities here. That uh, Stars Camp sounds like a lot of fun. We'll have to check back in later this summer to see how they went. So, uh, Oh, yeah. Appreciate you coming in here today, Di. Well, I sure appreciate the opportunity and, and enjoyed every minute visiting with you. Absolutely. I look forward to uh, uh, Mental Health Awareness Month. Again, that's coming up in the month of May. Be sure to watch uh, social media here for Pawnee Mental Health. Look for those uh, yard signs and posters here in the community as well. And, uh, again, if you want to get one of those, uh, email marketing at pawnee.org or call 785-564-1059. That'll wrap up our program here today. Tomorrow we're going to be talking outdoors things with uh, Ben Jellica, Riley County Game Warden. We'll also hear from uh, Caleb Snyder, Tuttle Creek Park Manager, and some others joining us as well. So In Focus comes your way, 906 every weekday morning. And Ben's always fun, so that'll be a great day. And check this out. If you want to check out this entire episode archived, you can find that on our Facebook page, 1350KMAN on Facebook. You can also subscribe to our SoundCloud account or, well, anywhere you get your podcast, you can check out In Focus. We also have the game uh, podcast available on SoundCloud and other services as well. Thanks for listening.